Welcome to the Pelvic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Forner, a physiotherapist working in pelvic health, as well as a new student researcher on the fun, long road to a PhD, where we will be looking at pelvic floor problems and exercise. I'm here to bring you information from leading professionals on all aspects surrounding pelvic health for any gender and any age, from the vast range of pelvic floor problems to exercise and sport. Remember our disclaimer, materials and content in this podcast are intended as general information only and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome everyone to the Pelvic Health Podcast. It's Lori Forner here. I have a very exciting episode. However, I think I say that every single time. Um, but I am honored to have with me Chantal Dumoulin. She is a professor from the University of Montreal, Canada. If you are a physiotherapist working in this field, if you are a medical professional working with urinary incontinence, you should have heard her name before because she is very big in the research world. She She is joining us at the Australian Physiotherapy Association this coming October in 2019. She is the international keynote speaker for the women's, men's and pelvic health section. And today we're talking about urinary incontinence, specifically urinary incontinence in women as we age. She touches on the effects of menopause, the effects of aging, how we can prevent this, how we can treat this, Um, and she has some really interesting ideas. Like I said, she has been involved in research for a very long period of time. I have read so much of her research um, for many years, so it was really exciting to have her on. Now I'll read her bio. I'm reading it straight from our Physiotherapy Association conference website, which is transform.physio. So if anybody is in Australia wants to see Chantal, um, not just do one lecture or one workshop, she's actually presenting quite a bit. It will be really exciting. Now, it has been many years since I have spoken French. I was bilingual up until the age of 16, which I then moved to Toronto and um, stopped speaking French. However, I am going to throw a little bit of French. I'm going to read a little bit of the French that's in her bio, and I apologize ahead of time if I absolutely butcher it. Okay, so Chantal is a professor at the School of Rehabilitation, University of Montreal, where she developed and currently directs the only postgraduate university-based pelvic floor rehabilitation program for physiotherapists in Canada. Concurrently, she's a published researcher with the Centre de Recherche de l'Institut Universitaire de Gériatrie de Montréal, specializing in pelvic floor dysfunction. I really hope that I did that center well. (laughs) Somebody let me know. She's also the founder and director of the Centers Incontinence and Aging Laboratory, in addition to acting as the holder of the Canadian Research Chair on Urogynecological Health and Aging. She's the inventor of the Montreal Dynamometer, an instrument to measure pelvic floor muscle function. The main focus of her work is to better understand pelvic floor muscle dysfunctions to provide better treatment using conservative management approaches. Her research methodologies include measuring instrument development, RCTs, and systematic review. She is still a practicing physiotherapist specializing in pelvic floor dysfunction, and it was an absolute delight to have the chance to interview her, so I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you so much for taking time out. 
You're welcome. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. As I said before we started recording, I have been a very big fan of yours and have followed your work. You have been involved in so much research and, you know, from the academic side, um, as far as I can see by looking at all of your work, your main focus seems to stem around urinary incontinence. However, you seem to do everything. Um, what, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, is, what is your kind of favorite part of um, research and physiotherapy in the world of women's health physio? Well, I, I agree with you that most uh, that I've been doing is on urinary incontinence. Okay. I, I think maybe you have seen me doing different things because although I'm doing urinary incontinence, I've always wanted to try to understand the problem. So you have yeah. probably also seen that I develop a dynamometer to better understand the dysfunction of the pelvic floor muscle. I also did a citizen jury in order to learn from the women what would be their needs if we would like to help them with their incontinence. I also have been involved with the Cochrane Review, again, to better understand where are we lacking some uh, information in order for me, based on all that, eventually to study the best physiotherapy programs mm. to help women with incontinence. And now more and more I'm involving to, to better transfer. So I'm involving to trying to implement those treatments now doing an application. We just started with a student doing an application and we will test it and study it. Uh, But also I've been involved in capacity building, trying to develop postgraduate program in order for physio to be more involved with patient with incontinence in order to be able to deliver more these treatments. So I know it looks like I might be all over the place, but it's always trying to better understand, to better treat, to better implement. And maybe another arm, a last arm that I've been involved recently is to better predict, to be able as a physio, initially when you see your patient, to know if the patient is at the right place. Um, because often the patient are asking, do I have good chance to be trained by physiotherapy? Should I go for surgery? And what we're doing right now in one of our projects is to uh, build a clinical prediction rule in order to be able to identify pre-treatment which women will benefit from pelvic floor physiotherapy in order to prior to doing the treatment, I've already an idea of which patient will do best. And it could even be used as something that would educate the patient. Let's say your chance to get better or 50% because your BMI is really high. However, you know that if you would reduce your BMI and your abdominal um, circumference, yeah, circumference, 
then you would increase your chance to to improve with physiotherapy. That would be quite interesting because the physio could use that as a teaching tool also. Yeah. Were, so, were you, did you do clinical physiotherapy work before getting into research? Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, actually, um, when I graduated from McGill University, I, I didn't have any... Uh, interest, well, I didn't know about pelvic floor rehabilitation because at that time it was not so, it was not popular. I didn't really learn much at university on pelvic floor rehab. So, oh, I thought you were going to uh, say you didn't learn much at all. <laughs> no, 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 but there was no course on that. Yeah. At least at McGill University, there was none. And uh, I wanted to work with children. So I went to a mother and children hospital, St. Justin's Hospital. And because I was the new physio and that all the other physios wanted to work with kids, they told me, okay, you go with the moms. Starting working there with mothers and pregnancy and there were over there, it was a French hospital, French speaking hospital. So there was a lot of residents from France who were coming to do their internship. And at that time in France, all the women who gave birth were getting treatment in pelvic floor rehabilitation. So the resident would write to me, do pelvic floor rehabilitation with this patient. And I didn't know what to do. So I decided to go back and do my master's and uh, eventually my doctorate. I did with those women um, a randomized trial on the effectiveness of physiotherapy in postnatal women with incontinence. And that's when I developed my dynamometer also during my doctorate. At that time, um, it was not possible to do pelvic floor rehabilitation in the hospital because they didn't have the it was the the physiotherapy was given mostly to the kids they didn't have um enough time for pelvic floor rehabilitation in women so i went in private practice with some of the doctors at that hospital and i started my practice and i still practice one day a week yeah so i still see women and i think it's quite important because um, I like the contact. They teach me a lot about their needs. They teach me about what I should do in my research. And then I bring my research to them. So, yes, I, I still practice. Which is great because I'm finding now that I've... Um have stepped foot into this new world of research um, that there's not a lot of people who are clinicians or were clinicians first that a lot of people go straight from university into academia but um yeah i don't know how you find time to do all of the stuff that you do and still treat patients but yeah it does help with that i feel like you know developing the questions and knowing where the gaps are and where you really need to focus exactly and i think that maybe it's because i'm someone who likes to do many things um and i think like you're saying that one uh, feeds the other and I always find my answer in the other part of my work. Yes, I still find the time. It's only one day a week, but it's enough for me to uh, continue getting in touch with patients. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that I, I read sort of the 
gist of a lot of where your research is focused because it was my take that the majority of it was surrounding urinary incontinence but then when you started talking I thought oh maybe that's just because I was only reading those bits (laughs) Um, but that's why I thought today we could focus on urinary incontinence um, but especially in women as they age and I know that urinary incontinence is also prevalent in men um, but I thought today we could focus on women as well as aging. Yeah, of course. This this is actually my area of uh, expertise. So. Oh, perfect. Um, all right. So, when we, if you can talk about the types of urinary incontinence briefly, and what you find the prevalence is as we age, and which kind of type of incontinence seems to be the most prevalent, um, and if there's any specific age groups, like, or if it's more just as we get older, do the prevalence increases? As we get older, yes, the prevalence increase, and this is for different reasons. With aging, you get two kind of phenomenon. You, you you have menopause, which will have an effect, and after that, you also have aging of the muscle, aging of the tissues, which will also have an impact on the, the pelvic floor. Uh, so that's why uh, it increases. The statistics tells us that after the age of 60, there's between 30 to 55% of women who will be having urinary incontinence. Now, the, the percentage will depend on your definition of incontinence, of course, Uh, and depending on the population, but it's quite high and it increases with time. This doesn't mean that it's normal to have that though. And that's unfortunate because uh, a lot of people think or are being told that, okay, you're older, so it's normal to have incontinence. So yes, it's more prevalent, but it's not normal. And there's something that can be done. The type of incontinence that is more prevalent with that population is mixed urinary incontinence. So often the women will tell you that when they had their delivery, they were having stress incontinence, but then at menopause and after that, it uh, became more mixed incontinence. And this is because of further uh, weakening of the pelvic floor with menopause and aging, but also because of the changes in the neurology system, which will introduce more of the urgency component. So mix is the most prevalent. And as you know, mix is the most stressful also because it's not only urgency, it's not only when you cough, when you sneeze, but it happens all the time. So this is really a problem. And, and what we know is that 20 to 25% of those older women have severe incontinence, which means that they have more than 10 incontinence episodes per week. This is quite important. A colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Tannenbaum, Kara Tannenbaum, did a survey in Canada to ask older women what were the most important health priorities for them. Their answer was osteoporosis, fall prevention, cognition, and incontinence. So incontinence is quite important for uh, aging women. Um, You briefly mentioned that menopause plays a role in this. How exactly does it kind of create 
this these changes in the body that then feeds into the stress as well as the urgency yes obviously menopause will bring an estrogen deficiency which will affect different tissues so it will affect the perineum it will affect the vulva the vagina the urethra, but also the pelvic floor. And uh, what it will mean is that the collagen in the pelvic floor and in the connective tissues will be reduced. And because of that, the pelvic floor will not stand at its normal place. It will be a little bit more relaxed. And there's going to be a reduction of elasticity. So that means that when it goes down, it's not going to have that bounce back as much as it had before. So because of that, the pelvic floor is not so efficient. It will have an impact, of course. There's also bladder change related to uh, menopause. So there's reduction of compliance of the bladder. The bladder will be uh, smaller in volume. This is also related to aging. Um, maybe I can just make a point saying that it's very difficult to differentiate between aging and menopause because both are coming at the same time. Yeah. What we will see is that women will go more often to the, to the bathroom because of the compliance being reduced. Bladder sensation is not so good as before. So women will not have that information as early as before. So when they need to go, they really need to go now because of that change in perception. The uh, contractility into the bladder will not be as good. So the bladder will not empty completely all the time. There's going to be a higher residue, which means that you will need to go more often, but which also means that there's a higher chance for you to have infection. There's going to be also reduction in urethral closing pressure. And this is because, again, of aging and the changes in the muscle. If you look at the, the pelvic floor, there's that reduction on, of type 2 fiber, which means that um, there's a reduction in overall strength, increase in fatigability. The pelvic floor in, is not as rapid as it was before to contract. There's also with aging the reduction in muscle mass that you will see with women over time. What we know is that between the age of 40 and 80 years old, there's going to be a 30 to 50% reduction in the muscle mass. And that affects all skeletal muscle and that affects the pelvic floor. 40? So, <laughs> That's early. Unfortunately, 40 to 80. So there's a reduction in the muscle mass plus all these other changes that I talked to you uh, about. We did actually a study with our dynamometer looking at the measurement of forces in older women. And what we found was exactly that. What differentiate the older women with incontinent and the older women without incontinent was not necessarily the maximal strength but it was the, um, the reduction of elasticity. 
in addition to those changes uh, with aging and the changes that we discussed with menopause, I think another point that is very important is the fact that with aging, there is other changes that are outside of the pelvic floor that can have an impact. Hmm. We know that with menopause, there's often an increase in body weight of women. So that increase in weight can also affect the pelvic floor, especially if it's around uh, the waist, it can increase uh, the pressure on the pelvic floor. Also with aging and with menopause, there's often a higher prevalence of constipation, which again can have an impact on incontinence. Um, I don't know if it's the same in Australia, but in Canada, a while ago, women that didn't want to have baby had an hysterectomy. So having previous surgery, pelvic surgery, with time can increase the risk of developing incontinence and prolapse. So our mothers and grandmother right now in Canada often had those hysterectomy and they're more at risk of having incontinence. Of course, with aging, there's other problems like diabetes. Um, and we know that with diabetes, there is that um, problem with denervation of extremities, but also at the level of the pelvic floor. So this is important to know. Um, there's often also with um, aging women, sometimes cognitive decline, and there's also sometimes lower limb dysfunction. So I think that incontinence in aging women is quite different than incontinence in young women, postnatal women, pre and postnatal women, because it involves change at different level. And I think my, maybe if I can make a message to the physiotherapist would be that we have to look at incontinence in older women, not only as the pelvic floor, but as an aging person. And we need to look at all those other things in order to get that treatment. What I was telling you at the beginning was that in order to better understand, we looked at the pelvic floor in uh, aging women uh, with incontinence, and what we found was that older women with incontinence, they had lower passive forces, they had lower rate of contraction, so they were not as fast, which makes sense with what we said before. They were not able to be so coordinated. Doing rapid contraction was difficult for them, and their endurance was not so good. So again, my word to the physiotherapist would be really evaluate. Don't give the um, program to everyone. Evaluate the dysfunction of the pelvic floor of those women. And you might need a little bit of more time to train those women because maybe they have had incontinence for longer. Maybe they have atrophy. Maybe they have sarcopenia, which means that you will need to train a little longer those muscles. Another study we did was to look at lower limb dysfunction 
in aging women. And we looked at continent and incontinent older women, and we found that those older women with incontinence had already significantly lower gait speed than continent women. They had balance dysfunction and they had lack of confidence in their balance. So if you have mixed incontinence and you have these problem with gait and balance, you will have more difficulty to get to the bathroom on time. So again, a word to physiotherapists is that please evaluate the complete function of those patients because not only by training the pelvic floor you will get them to be better, but also if you train their gait and if you train their balance, you will get more results. Another interesting study we did in aging women was to look at the difference in cognitive function between continent and incontinent older women. And this was done with uh, some of the neuropsychologists, researcher in, um, in our lab here in Montreal. And what we found was that older women who are incontinence, they have problem with executive function tests and divided attention. This means that they have difficulty coping with interference and they have difficulty stopping one task to do another one. So what we found in our research project, what we decided to do in our research program was to not only train the pelvic floor by contracting and relaxing, but trying to put it in context, making those women contract while they're doing something else. And for that, we use the dance. I don't know if you've seen the, that project, but we use Dance Dance Revolution. Oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. Oh, I love um, that. I love that game. <laughs> <laughs> because actually we found that they had difficulty doing two things at the same time. And at the end of the program, they knew they were able to contract, but they were not confident they could put it in practice. Putting all that together, that's how we developed our program, which includes some pelvic floor exercise, some balance and lower extremity work, but also some dancing uh, because we want them to do two things at the same time. So we had uh, a pilot study uh, with that, and this was done in 2012. The result of that study showed that if you train the pelvic floor, train low extremity, and use those um, exercises with dense dance, you will reduce the incontinence, improve gait, reduce the variability in gait, so improve gait, uh, stride time, uh, reduce variability in the walk, but also you will improve their capacity to do two things at the same time. And if you survey those women at the end of the program, they will tell you that now they're confident to do uh, dancing or to, to walk or to 
open their legs when they get out of the car, you know, do things like that because they know they can contract their pelvic floor during those activities. So did you have them, so if they were doing one of the dances, did you have them um, contract it and hold it for a dance or did you try to coordinate it with the movement as well? First, I have to say that uh, it was progressive. Yeah. Okay, because I think that it's already difficult to do the game. Um, you have to follow um, the arrows, either front and back, which mimics the walk, or lateral, laterally, which mimic an opening of the legs, like a jumping jack or something like that, which is actually very difficult to contract your pelvic floor in these positions. So first, we made them just get introduced to the game. And it was done at the end of our pelvic floor exercise class. So the last 10 minutes, as a reward, they were dancing. Then when they got to be good in that, then we added the second task. So remember, they were having difficulty doing two tasks at the same time. The idea was for them to do the arrows, but Eventually, during the song, it was not an arrow. It was, um, it was a disc that was showing up. And when a disc was showing up, they needed to do that step with their leg. But at the same time, they needed to contract the pelvic floor. And the progression of that was to do two movements at the time and a pelvic floor contraction. So... There was various things they, they, uh, they needed to do, but again, very progressively. Yeah. I don't, it, I don't think it's just older people, too, that have difficulty with doing two things at once or multitasking. <laughs> Some younger people have a lot of difficulty as well. Yeah. Well, it's true, but really this was a problem that mm. we could demonstrate uh, in older women uh, and we thought that we need, needed to be more functional in our approach in order for them to uh, be more effective. And like I said, by serving, the, uh, doing the survey at the end and asking them, they were quite self-confident they could do it. And even some of them, you know, uh, started dancing or started doing those exercises activities because they were confident they could do it after do you remember what the age group was of that which is going oh, back it's, it's going back many years now yeah, yeah. this is 2012 yeah actually that pilot study from what i remember if it was women 65 and up okay i would yeah. say the um, average age would be around 78 70 okay. uh, 68, 69. But yeah. we had women 85 and 90 in our group. And everybody got better. Everybody got better. So, And it was, probably has really important ramifications on a global point for these women who could rush to the bathroom, may have osteoporosis, fall down and break a hip. Whereas you're not just training pelvic floor so that they can get to the toilet. You're training so much more so that they then are at less risk of falling and fracturing and ending up in hospital, right? 
Exactly. Maybe I can uh, talk to you a little bit about um, that study that we just finished. We have presented last year at ICS, however, the, the manuscript is not published. What we did was to uh, study fallers, women who are at risk of fall. And what we know is that 20% of women or about are at risk of fall after the age of 65. And then if you are incontinent, there's 29% of those women that are at risk of fall. So there's something with incontinence there. So what we decided to do was to look at them when they need, they have the urge to go to the bathroom. So what we did was to make them drink water, water, and then we made them walk on the gate ride to look at their gate when they go to the bathroom. And what you were saying is a woman getting in a hurry to go to the bathroom. Actually, what we found was that those fallers that are incontinent, they walk more slowly than the women that are continent. They walk very slowly and they walk with the hips, the, the thighs close together, probably because they're trying to retain their urine. So if you walk slowly, but you have a small base, what are you at risk of falling? So this is quite interesting, maybe falling back even because you're going so slow. And we found also that the variability in their walk was much more increased than in the continent women. So it's interesting because when we know this, we can address it. I think that not only the pelvic floor physios should know about this. I think also the physiotherapists who are involved with aging women in the geriatrics, they should know because... If they want to train their patient not to fall, they should maybe address the pelvic floor and that will have an impact. Maybe we need to do more studies, but this could have an impact on the gait of the patient. So this is, I, I thought this was a cool study to do, although a lot of people thought we were really bad to make those women drink so much water and go to the bathroom. But I think it had to be done to better understand what was happening. I don't know if it's the same in other places, but in Australia, I find physios who are working with older patients know about incontinence um, and may ask it or address it or refer them on. But I find that, you know, my husband works in a musculoskeletal physio practice, I lots of young um practitioners who see a variety of ages but because they don't specifically work with the older population I don't think um, that they uh, tend to ask the questions about incontinence with their older clients so they're still going to see older patients but I find because they don't you know their specialty is not older clients it's almost like they don't realize that they're kind of still working with that population and that these things are still really important to ask as well uh, that's true. I think it's the same here. 
Um, I think we are very specific in our area of expertise, unfortunately, mm. and we forget to be a more general physio as mm. we were trained to be. So I think it's always important to uh, try to see the the pelvic floor in the context of the whole patient, and especially with that clientele, that older clientele, because there's so many things that can come around and have an impact on incontinence. Yeah. Yeah. Can we move on to talking about anything with prevention? Do you have any ideas or information on like, we know that there's an age-related decline and changes with menopause. Is there anything we can do to slow this process down or prevent this from happening or getting worse? There is one study that was done in the United States that I know of uh, that was published recently in which there was a a kind of a workshop, a two-hour workshop um, to aging women, explaining to them the anatomy, you know, a little bit of teaching about pelvic floor, uh, the, the bladder, talking about the prevalence of incontinence. And also related to that, there was a one-on-one uh, teaching session in which, I don't know if it was a nurse or a physio, was um, teaching pelvic floor uh, contraction. And what they found, so it was only two sessions, a two-hour and then a one-on-one, and the patient, uh, not the patient, but the women, was seen, I think it was one year after. I'm not so sure, but I think it's probably one year after. And the prevalence of incontinence in the group that were taught this information the, the prevalence of incontinence was reduced compared to the other group in which this intervention was not given. So I think that we need to see aging women as we see pre- and postnatal women. I think that the women that come to our treatment in our lab, what they're telling us is that all the women should know about these changes. All the women should know what they can do to prevent it. When we did our um, citizen jury with incontinent women, they really wanted to know what they could do. If you see my colleagues' research about what is important for aging women, you, you see that incontinence is one of the topics they would like to know more about. What we did in our lab was that the ladies who could not get in our research projects because they didn't have incontinence, we offered the same program um, to the community uh, as a preventive program. And it's always full. Every semester, women want to know more about the pelvic floor. So I think there's a need. The women or uh, curious about it. They know it's a problem that is prevalent. Um, and I think that we need to address it a little bit like pre and postnatal uh, pelvic floor physiotherapy. We should because uh, we know that the population is aging. We know that the prevalence is high. So by doing prevention and according to that study, it appears that it could help. However, there's only one study. So um, I think we need more. 
but I think it would be a great idea. Certainly the women ask for it and the data that we have support it. Is this what your application that you were talking about earlier has to do with? Yes, um, actually. uh, Remember I told you about that study in 2012, which was the pilot study. Um, Since then, we have moved on to a non-inferiority randomized trial comparing group intervention with our approach Uh, comparing that to individual physiotherapy intervention. Um, And it was very popular uh, in Montreal. So we had uh, 362 women participating. Uh, But other than that, we had women from other cities uh, in, in Quebec and Canada asking us um, how can they train because they couldn't come to Montreal, was there anything uh, for them? So what we did was we made a book based on the program and we made that application. And now we're going to be studying um, the impact of this application and this book in the community. Um, And yes, it will probably be used by women that just want to uh, have prevention, but also uh, by women who have incontinence and maybe they're too far to come to a program. Maybe they cannot come to the physiotherapist uh, because they don't have money. Because here in Canada, it's not as in Australia. It's not uh, as available in public health system. Um, It is still more in the private practices. Um, unfortunately, uh, and often women, older women, uh, because they're retired, they don't have the money to pay for treatment. So having an application or a self-help book might be a good idea for them. Well, in Australia, we have a pretty good public system, at least in Queensland, but we are also, you know, the country's as big as Canada is. However, there's nothing in the middle, Um, but there are people that live there (laughs) and may live on farms. So there's a lot of rural communities that do not have the ability or access to physiotherapy. So the more that there are these options where, you know, they can still address it without really having to see someone if they can, I think is so helpful. So is your, is this app and the book, are they available for general public already or at some point? The book has just been translated in English. Uh, It's already available in French. Um, So probably it will will be available in the fall. Um, And the application, we just started it. Um, And we're trying, like I said, it's based on, on the randomized trial. The randomized trial is just finished now, so we're moving on to uh, those knowledge transfer tools that are related to it. So probably the, the application, within a year, it should be available. Oh, that's good, because I'm realizing this whole research to practice takes a really long time. <laughs> like the, the fact that these studies, when you publish them, I don't think people realize or we ever knew that there was five years before then that you've been working on it (laughs) yeah 
and 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 actually more than that because like i said to you from the start when i started my practice um and when i started my research in aging women i first looked at the the force of the pelvic floor and and uh, that helped instruct the program that we build into a pilot and then in the randomized trial. So you're right, it, it takes a long, long time. And uh, hopefully we wanted to get to the patient to make sure that we will have an impact in the practice. Yeah. In Canada, it's quite expensive hmm. uh, for women, not only for the treatment, but in Canada, they also have to pay their pads, I think that in Australia, you have the chance of government paying for that. It impacts quality of life. We know that for incontinent women, but also older incontinent women will reduce their physical activity and they will reduce their social activity. And this is quite a problem because what we see is those women doing less activity, they will increase their weight, they will increase the diabetes, so it has an impact on other problem, chronic problem in older women. So when we address incontinence, we actually address more than incontinence. Um, decreasing social uh, activity is quite important because as they get older, you really want to have interaction. And we know that incontinence is related to depression. It's related also to cognitive decline because you're not stimulated. So I, I think it's, like I said, it's more than incontinence. It's, it should be addressed. We talked before about the risk of fall being increased with incontinence. But there is also a link with incontinence and being um, in nursing home uh, care because you... Um, or depressed, maybe you are not so active, you break your hip, and eventually you go there. So I think urinary incontinence is really important in older uh, patients, and the impact is larger than we think, and that's why we should address it. Well, thank you. Hopefully, people who are listening, because it's not just physiotherapists that listen, medical professionals, fitness professionals, as well as the general public. So I hope that um, it gives people a greater understanding as to, like you said, why it's so important and that it's not just the leaking side of things. There's so many other factors that need to be addressed at the same time. Um, now, yeah. you're coming to Australia in October this year. Is that right? Yeah, I will. Um, so you're coming to our Australian Physiotherapy Association conference, um, and you are a keynote speaker, if I am correct. Is that right? Yes, yes I think so. You're doing a <laughs> workshop. You are doing some lectures. So what are you coming to talk to us about? Well, I will be talking about uh, urinary incontinence in aging women. Uh, I will be talking about better understanding uh, what are the problems to better treat, a little bit about what I talked to you about, and even more because yeah. I will be yeah. giving the result of that randomized controlled trial. Um, so I will be talking about our experience here in Montreal with those aging women. So that's one thing. 
Um, I will be talking also about why urinary incontinent women are at higher risk of fall. Again, a little bit of what we talked about with more um, uh, expended more. Um, and it's going to be not only for pelvic floor physios, but for physios in geriatrics. Yeah. I will also talk about a specific problem in aging population. So I'll be talking about our experience with women who have genital urinary syndrome of menopause. Mm. Um, we are uh, we have a couple of studies looking into that and the impact of pelvic floor muscle training on this very prevalent problem. Actually, 50% of older women have genital urinary syndrome of menopause. Mm. I'll be talking in that section also about gynecological cancer. I have two students that have been looking at the pelvic floor changes in this population and who have started to work on intervention for those older women. And uh, finally, I will be talking about the latest evidence in pelvic floor rehabilitation. And this is because of my involvement in the um, International Consultation on Incontinence and the Cochrane Group. So I uh, will be talking about latest evidence. You're also doing a workshop with Jenny Kruger, is that right? Uh, I'm doing a workshop, yes. Part of it will be uh, for you and others to come and do the Dance Dance Revolution. Oh, nice. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to be uh, doing a workshop and uh, we're going to be doing the practice in our exercise class. Okay. Oh, that is fabulous. I am really looking forward to it. Are there any other trips to Australia planned, or is this kind of the main one over the next year or so? Yes, this is the main one. I will uh, be there, and I will work with colleagues in Melbourne, okay. uh, and then I will go to New Zealand. But, yes, nice. for, for, for now, it's going to be the only one. Thank you again so much for your time. I cannot wait to actually formally meet you in person um, in October. Perfect. Okay. So I'll see you in October. Yeah. Have a good night. Thank you very much.